Welcome to Noteworthy, the official podcast of Technode.com. I am Editor-in-Chief John Artman. So, Noteworthy's been gone for a while. Uh, sorry for that. We've uh, been kind of trying to think about, you know, what we're going to do with it. In, in the previous iteration, you know, to be honest... We just weren't very, having very much fun with it. I think that's really kind of what it comes down to. Uh, so we're going to be uh, publishing a little bit uh, here here and there, kind of as things um, get a bit more interesting. Uh, in particular, we're going to be uh, publishing um, more uh, interviews with reporters about some of their big feature stories that they've been doing. Um, and we're also going to be publishing um, audio from some of the events that we've done in the past, including uh, events on Pinduoduo, on uh, social media marketing, um, and then um, hopefully some uh, audio from uh, our recently finished uh, TechCrunch uh, Shenzhen event. But this week we're talking with uh, Bailey Hu about her story on Faraday Future. Uh, so I'm here with uh, with Bailey Hu, uh, one of our reporters based here in Shenzhen, and we just recently published a piece uh, from her on on Faraday Future. Um, it was fa- as absolutely fascinating read uh, for me, um, and so we thought that we'd sit down and and talk a little bit about the the story and kind of how she came on it and uh, what what she learned. I mean, Faraday Future is a kind of a, an interesting company, but kind of an interesting company in a bad way, unfortunately. Um, so, so Bailey, I guess, you know, just kind of starting off, I mean, like, like, how did you come up? How did you come on onto the story and tell us kind of like the, the beginning process of, of, of uh, like wanting to write it and then starting to write it? Uh, okay. So I guess it, it just came a lot up a lot in Chinese news. Um, Faraday future, uh, and because we're reading news constantly on a daily basis, it just, uh, I just kept seeing these headlines again and again, and they're usually all negative, like you said. Um, so it started catching my interest, and I wanted to know why people kept writing about it, even though it seemed to just be a series of bad publicity for the company, and uh, what exactly had happened to make it uh, go down this path, I guess. Yeah, I think someone in our in our WeChat group referred to to uh, Faraday Future as a dumpster fire, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I feel like that's that's definitely the case, and it's just it's interesting because. You know the the Lo Eco Ting you know fiasco has been going on for for quite some time, but um, you know I mean like it just it hasn't been good for like two years straight. It's just bad news after bad news after bad news. But then also kind of like disentangling kind of what what happened is actually quite difficult sometimes. You know, especially for Faraday Future because there is that ongoing uh, dispute with uh, with Evergrande. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a very complex uh, situation, and I think it it got a lot more complex after it reached its deal with Evergrande. So or Evergrande, so it was supposed to save the company, but it ended up kind of plunging it into a series of relationships that didn't mm. that based on what we're seeing now aren't really working out. Um, can you can you give us a bit more detail on that? Yeah, yeah. So so Evergrande promised uh, two billion dollars in investment, I think last November to Faraday to be paid out over a certain amount of time. And according to statements from both of them, uh, Evergrande, Evergrande had, uh, no, sorry, Faraday had spent 800, I believe it was 800 million by this summer. And it also asked for another advance of, I think it was 700 million uh, US dollars. Um, but Evergrande said that um, Faraday hadn't upheld its end of the bargain, which was to uh, cut Jiaoting out of its China operations. Uh. Yeah, so... Based on that premise, basically, Evergrande was withholding the money, and that's the basis on which Faraday took it to court in, in Hong Kong. But there's a, also a lack of transparency, and both sides are, are very, they're very set on, um, it seems like, uh, 
criticizing the other side. So so uh, I think Faraday got five hundred million. They they were allowed to raise five hundred million dollars in emergency investment or to keep them afloat, basically. Um, and then both sides said it was a victory for them, even though, <laughs> even though the case is is not really resolved at all. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because they took it. They took it um, to arbitration in, in Hong Kong, and it, it seemed like when 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 the uh, the announcement was made yeah. that it was like, okay, well, this is basically basically decided. But then, of course, it hasn't. And so it's not just like the emergency investment, but apparently there's a there's a, a crypto uh, company in in California who's going to be um, giving them some money, but it's not really money, right? It's just it's just crypto tokens or yeah. something. Well, it is it is uh, security token offerings, but okay. I don't I don't think that's for sure. Um, as far as I know, Faraday hasn't confirmed that it's happening, but right. the crypto company said that it was happening. Okay. Um, so it, it seems like it's still, at least it would be in the negotiation stage. Sure, yeah. sure. But um, so what was also really cool about uh, about the story that you wrote is that you actually went down to where where the, the production base in, in China is supposed to be. So where, where is that again, actually? I forget. Um, so it's technically within Guangzhou, but Guangzhou kind of covers a large area. So uh, the place that I ended up going with um, a former colleague of mine was, it, it didn't really look like the city at all. It didn't mm. feel like the city. We were passing um, fields on either side. There was like, uh, there's a lot of like nice rivers there. The houses are very, it, it felt kind of like rural China, basically. Um, and the, the residents there, they're all like, um, they come from a farming background mostly. Mm. Uh, and they all have gardens in their backyards. You just see dogs running around. And, mm. Yeah, it just it didn't feel like Guangzhou at all. Right. Um, and it's part of a district that's receiving a lot of, or that's trying to industrialize and attract tech companies. Okay. Okay. And so and so the so Faraday Future is is building a, a production base there. Is that right? Um, that seems to be the plan. And when we when I was there, um, the construction was definitely there was something going on. Um, there have been some reports that it's been pretty slow, but I don't know if I could really speak to that. Mm. Um, at least they're at least they're trying to build something, mm. um, and I do think they have a deadline to finish the factory within. Um, but it's right now it's unclear whether that factory would belong to Faraday or to Evergrande. Right. right. This is, this was always really also really confusing. I mean, so like they, like like it's also like the IP of the company is technically owned by Evergrande, right? At least part of it was signed away when okay. it when it accepted that two billion dollars in investment. Wow. Um, so at least on the construction site, I I didn't see any logos for Faraday. Um, I only there were offices for different construction companies mm -hmm. and also Evergrande. Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't they didn't want to talk. Yeah. But um yeah I didn't see anything for Faraday so uh, nothing really confirming that their their presence is there. Though that could just mean that Evergrande is just supervising the construction. Mm. But it, it does seem to point to the direction that Evergrande intends to make cars by itself there. If it can. If it, if it can. I guess it depends also on the result of the arbitration. Yeah. Yeah, and Evergrande itself is a really interesting company because like they, they've invested in a lot of like perpendicular companies, it seems. Because technically mm -hmm. it's a it's a health company, right? But then they but then they then they've invested in Faraday and, and some others. Uh, yeah, they, they have a really diverse portfolio. <laughs> um, and it was also their health subsidiary that right. did the Faraday uh, Future Company. And it's um, they're connected through this kind of complex network of offshore holding companies. Okay. Um, I might have... There's a... There's, yeah, there's a joint venture. There's another holding company. Faraday has another different holding company. And these are all... None of them are based in China. Right. Yeah. But... Um, in the end, uh, Ever Evergrande Health did acquire. I think it was forty five percent of Faraday Future. Okay. Um, or forty five percent stake in it. Yeah, but it's just uh, the more you dig into it, it's just the, the more 
the more complex it looks. Yeah, it no, it's so it's so complicated. And I remember, you know, because for 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 quite some time, we tended to like TechNode, we tended to avoid anything to do with Jiayu team because it would just get so complicated. Yeah. And for us, like our publication cycle is usually fairly fairly fast. Yeah. And so if it's too complicated, then it's going to slow us down. Um, but I think that it was really really kind of cool um, from from like a from like a man like a managing perspective to to see how the story has evolved and how also how like our coverage um, has evolved as well. Um, really kind of digging into something that I think other outlets, especially outside of China, uh, kind of chose chose to ignore in a certain sense, because again, it is it is just so complicated. Yeah. Well, I, I think part of that is also because Jiayuting has a, a kind of, um, is kind of a household name in China, where mm -hmm. he's, whereas he's not elsewhere. And that seems to be why people are continually drawn to this story. I mean, Faraday Future is technically not even a Chinese company. Right. But um, Chinese consumers are really interested, or Chinese reporters at least, are really interested in this story. Um, and then Jia Ting has this, has, you just see this like rise and fall. He, mm -hmm. he started from, I think, what was he? He was, uh, he basically he built his company up from scratch. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, he established this empire, then it fell apart, then he kind of escaped to the US. Well, it, it, yeah. it's funny because it, it, it fell apart pretty much like right after he set it up, right? <laughs> I mean, because so, 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 you know, just a bit of history. I mean, you know, it started off with uh, la.com, lusher.com, uh, one of the major players in video and on-demand uh, entertainment streaming, basically. Yeah. So videos, uh, so TV shows, movies, um, and, and, and things like that. They ended up uh, making, making their own TV, La TV. Um, and, and then for whatever reason, he decided to really just expand from that and go in and so rebrand it all from Lusher into La Eco. So make it into like a green environmental company, um, and somehow at the, around the same time he's also investing in in helping to to build Faraday Future, um, and then um, around this time in in 2016, so late 2016 early 2017 is when it just all started to uh, started to fall apart. And so we actually um, one of our contributors, Elliot Zagman, used to used to work there for a while. He did some uh, corporate consulting and training, and then worked in their HR department. Um, and so we actually published something from him around that time about, you know, what was kind of going on in, in La Eco. And it really just sounds like, you know, on the one hand, um, you know, going out to uh, a different market, because they, they had tried to set up uh, an office in, uh, in California, um, and they weren't, they just were not able to, to really cross the, the cultural gap and to really um, just make a, make a work environment that, that foreigners are, uh, can, actually, can actually deal with. Um, but then also, you know, it was just, it was, he was at the very top making all the decisions. And so if, if, if someone was in his, in his, in his in, if someone was in his inner circle that wasn't so competent, well, then <laughs> the company is going to suffer. Yeah. Yeah. And also, um, Leiko uh, launched his own, uh, electric car brand. That's right. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yes. I never, I, I don't, I think that project is dead. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. It's dead. It's definitely dead. <laughs> it's called Lassie, but yeah, it's all interestingly. It also shares some IP with um with Faraday Future. Oh. So some of the patents that were filed, uh, by Faraday Future employees are actually they bear the Ellie dot they bear the Ellie logo, or okay. they were basically shared between the two companies. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. So I mean, like, what do you what do you think we can expect from Faraday? I mean, like the story the story is still evolving, um, even after you've written it. Obviously, this kind of stuff doesn't stand still. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it really comes down to the arbitration, the results of the arbitration. Um, Faraday seems to really be putting all of his hopes on it, mm -hmm. and also uh, Faraday employees have also filed a suit against uh, Evergrande, um, again saying that Evergrande is intending to steal all their intellectual property, 
and uh, make away with their China operations. Mm. Um, so it really kind of comes down to to that, I guess, right? Um, but I mean, I, I guess I could say like just based on the the news from the last two years alone, um, Faraday is in a pretty desperate situation right now. It basically charged into this industry. Um, it's barely keeping itself afloat. It's it has a long history of uh, not paying suppliers enough. It has mm. a lot of suits filed against it, uh, which based on my interviews at least, it seems like a really negative thing to have in a in an industry where you depend on a lot of different suppliers and also you invest a lot of capital before you see any returns. Um, so it, it seems like it seems like the outlook is pretty grim. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's funny because it's like I mean I think uh, an interesting parallel is Ofo. Where I mean, it's like it's like, like so. Both Faraday and Ofo are companies that refuse to die. Uh, Ofo, obviously, they're not going to die. They're going to be bought, or they're going to merge, or or something. Um, but for whatever reason, the CEO is just hanging hanging on tooth and nail uh, to make sure that he maintains as much control of the company as as possible. Uh, and it seems it sounds like something similar kind of happened with with Faraday Future with uh, Jiayu Ting, and then and then also uh, other other management needing to get funding. And of course, just not willing to to actually follow the stipulations of of that funding. Um, yeah, I guess you could say they're similar, but uh, I guess Faraday is different in, in that it never really got off the ground. Right. It, it has yet to produce and deliver any vehicles. Right. Um, yeah, and I mean, there there's been all this drama surrounding it, but there's <laughs> like there's still the fact that it has yet to show a viable yeah. like line of cars. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, we'll just have to see see how it plays out. Bailey, thanks thanks so much for uh, for coming on and, and telling us about it.